the message, and the title of the message is, Don't Stop the Flow. Just don't stop the flow. You know, sometimes when you got the flow, you can dance, you can kind of get in the flow. You know, I'm not going to dance, but anyway. <laughs> Lindsay can dance. I can't dance. But the thing is, is that today's message, I'm going to talk about generosity. And do you think money and possessions, you know that money and possessions are talked more than almost anything in the Bible? It's mentioned 800 times in the Bible. So it's important. And I believe this is that it's the second most talked about topic in the Bible. And let me just make a disclaimer this morning before I say anything else. That we're, Okay, I'm not preaching on this because our church needs your money, number one. The second thing, I'm not, we're not taking a second offering at the end of the service. Another thing is we don't have a project that I'm raising money for this morning. That'll be later. <laughs> But I'm preaching this message because God wants you, look at me, God wants you to live a blessed life. I I really believe that. God wants you to learn to live a blessed life. You need this message because I can tell you why. When we did the 21 days of prayer and fasting, it was by far the most mentioned financial. I need need some finances. I need revival in my checkbook, my my wallet. I need God to touch my wallet. You know, that was one, that was one of the top. Another one was just praying for people in their family, paying for marriages. Another one was people that had substance abuse problems with alcohol or, or drugs. And uh, so those are things. And so this morning, I want to talk about that. And, and you know, if you go right with me in the message, in, uh, in, the message in Proverbs eleven twenty four, it says it like this. The world of the generous, I like what it says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. But it says, look what it says, the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. You see, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much you have. It's all about this, the heart. It's all about your heart. You see, God has more for you, but are you, are you putting a lid on God. So I believe that sometimes people put a lid on what God can do and his ability and what he can do. And see, the, the, the number one reason God wants to bless you is so you can be a blessing. Amen? How many of you want to be a blessing? Okay, wow, the rest of you, where are you at? How many, how many of you want to be a blessing? Come on. Okay, that's a little better, but I'm still worried about some of you. I ain't raising my hand. You see... Every day, you need to be saying this, I'm a blessing. Can you do that with me? Say, I'm a blessing. blessing. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a blessing. And the one you didn't want to get blessed, look at them too and say, you're a blessing too. See, an activated church is a generous church. It's just generous. I want to show you what a generous church looks like. We've, We've looked at this scripture last week. And the last couple of weeks, but it's in the book of Acts, and it's in uh, the New Living Translation. And it says, and all, all the believers, all means, when you look it up in Greek, you know what it means, all? It means everybody. It says, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. And they met in homes, of, uh, in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. In other words, when they saw a need, they wanted to meet the need. I love what 
Tommy Barnett used to say he had the largest Assembly of God church for many years in Phoenix, Arizona. His son Matthew has a dream center and just helps those that are down and out. And he, he always says this, if you see a need, meet the need. Now look at me. Sometimes people come to us as pastors and say, Pastor, you know, I have my brother-in-law or I have this situation. And can you do something about it? Here, look at me. If you see the need, it's your responsibility to meet the need. Thanks for all those amens. Because here's the reality for every one of us. Sometimes God puts a situation or a circumstance in our lives, and it's our responsibility what we do with it. You know, Pastor JJ went with Pastor Josh and I Saturday and Phil McDaniel, and we baptized them in duck blood. <laughs> Come on. He wore it proudly. At first, it said it looked like a kiss and like lips, and we said, well, Esther may get a little. Anyway, he didn't kiss. A duck kissed him, Nestor. Anyway. Well, actually, he has a picture where he kissed a duck. So anyway, disinfect your lips. But anyway, just so we're, we're just sitting. JJ, after the hunt, we, we go and eat uh, breakfast. And one of my good friends, I see him, and, and, he, and, I, and, I, and he sees me kind of at the same time. I go, Mike. And he goes, Pastor Baba. And we're hugging, and, you know, we're just talking. And he said, we're just having regular conversation, catching up where we've been, what's been going on. Asked him how his health was. He asked me how my health is. And so we had a good conversation. And then as we were just talking, he goes, you see that guy over there? Yeah. He goes, you see those four little kids? He goes, those are all his grandkids from his daughter. But each one of those kids are from a different father. And he's raising those kids himself. By himself. No wife, no nothing, just him. Our hearts are moved and we see, we see a need. And so we'll call the waitress over. I go, Tina, I know her. She goes, because she knows they're in hunting season, where table we sit in, how much coffee we need, all that. It's just our spot. And she goes, and I go, Tina, bring me their bill. We want to pay for it. See, God sometimes puts things in us that we see it, and it's our responsibility to meet it. I probably lost my blessing because I shared it with you. I don't care at this point because I want you to be a blessing. Amen? See, what needs to happen, Matthew says, to those who, who use, well, uh, use well what they, they have been given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who are doing nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Just like the scripture in Proverbs said, as you give, it gets larger and larger. If you stay stingy, it gets smaller and smaller. You know, they had a, a, a reporter come to a pastor and, and, and asked him, he said, uh, you know, he said, uh, how often do you talk about giving? He said, well, every week. She said, every week? And he said, I think what you meant to ask me is how often do I talk about giving money? You know, you can talk about grace, but you can't talk about grace without giving. You can't talk about having a healthy marriage without giving. Come on. You can't talk about forgiveness without giving. You have to give. In marriage, it's give. It's not give and take. It's give and give. It is. When you, when you walk in forgiveness, you give that person forgiveness. You give it. 
You see, the enemy has twisted the word give so much that when God tells you to give, all you think about is money. And it's not just about that. God wants your time, your talents, and your treasure. Can they be his? And see, for us, we have to, we have to grapple with that. See, living a, a blessed life is more than having a blessed wallet. Living a blessed life means I want to have, have things money can't buy. There's just things money can't buy. You know, uh, uh, giving is all about the heart. See, we can have a lot of head knowledge, but it never touches the heart. See, sometimes people are 18 inches away from what God wants to do in their lives. Because they can't get it from here to get it here. And that's where God wants it. That's what the gospel's all about. The God opens and gives us Jesus' content lenses, and we begin to see like he sees people. We begin to see things like he does. See, giving is all about the heart. Matthew says it like this. Wherever your treasure is, you've heard this, there the desires of your heart will be also. You see, your treasure is a tracking device of your heart. You ever have those little uh, metal detectors? You know, and it's like, when, the closer you get to God, beep, 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 go, oh, there, you start digging. And the further away, but see, some people can't hear God's tracking voice because they've been so far away. What God's going, you know what? I believe this, God starts small. He just starts small. Can you give so-and-so? I used to have an African-American guy. His name was Bubba. I like Bubba because we have a name that was common. And he used to come to the church. You remember, some of you have been around. He'd sit in the back, and, and sometimes he'd go, Hey, Rev, 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 you got a couple of dollars you can loan me? I got to go, go pay. He, he always had something he had to go pay. Sometimes he'd come to my house. He'd knock on the door. My kids would go, Bubba's here, Daddy. <laughs> I'd go to the door, and he goes, Hey, Rev. You got a five. Sometimes I'd give him more. Sometimes I, can I be honest with you? It's going to be in the message in a little bit. But sometimes I didn't want to give it to him. Because I was thinking, I got to buy shotgun shells. <laughs> hey, when your priorities are, you know, I mean. Giving. That reminds me, I was doing a Bible study one time, and some of you have heard me tell this story. I remember a missionary came, and I only had like $30 in my pocket. And the Lord said, give it. And I was like, but Lord, I got to buy a box of goose load tomorrow, $25. And I never get, I fought God. How many ever fought God? Come on. How many of you have ever just wrestled with God? Oh, no, that's the devil. No, it's the Lord. <laughs> and we're trying to justify it. Come on. Go. That's the devil. No, it's the Lord. If, it, if it's like, if it's talking to you, you know good, sorry, sucker, you need to be good. That's the devil. If it's the Lord and say, just, could you give it? Just give it. And I remember by the end of the service, they had the special offering. I pulled that thing. It's like the money I had, like, had hands. <laughs> and you're trying to pull it out. You, come on. How many of you had that with your checkbook? And he's going, no, not the pen. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And, and I gave it. And I gave it begrudgingly. Then that morning I did the Bible study and the guy didn't even go to our church. And he, he slaps me, a, gives me a Pentecostal handshake. And, and I would say, thank you. I put it in my pocket, got in my, my, my truck, 
looked at what it was. It was $300. I gave 30. You do the multiplication. God was like, see, it's like Miss Jean, you say, if God can get it to you, can he get it through you? And I repented. I asked God to forgive me. And I go, shoot, I ain't going to buy a box. I'm going to buy a case. Because the guy gave me this. He goes, this is not for your wife. This is not for your children. This God wanted me to give this to you and get whatever you needed. I go, open heaven. <laughs> but see, Matthew says, your treasure is your tracking device. Wherever you put your money, that's where your heart is. If you put your money in the stock market, Guess what you're doing? Every day you're waking up and seeing how the Dow's doing. You're looking, you know, is it up or is it down? And, you know, then if you, have your, if you put your trust in your bank account, guess what? You're checking your bank account more than you're checking on your kids. You know, you, it's kind of like this. You buy some nice shoes and someone steps on them. You want to fight them. Men, you restore an old car. Who's going to drive that car? You and nobody else. Just you. See, you can say God's first in your life all day, but let me see your bank account. And I'll tell you who's first. I'll tell you. See, how do you know if God if, you, if God has your heart? Well, I'm glad. You know, when, we come, when I come to this campus, y'all ask great questions. And so I'm going to answer your question. And it just said, you know, God puts all of us on an honor system. He just does. When it comes to finances. Now listen to me. The government doesn't put you on an honor system. Every about end of December, January, you get a little stub and it's from the government. Hello, it's Uncle Sam, IRS. We want your taxes. Oh, it's not yours. It's ours. Because guess what? They don't trust you. The government doesn't trust you. IRS doesn't trust you. But see, God puts us on an honor system. He trusts us to do the right thing. See, if, why, is God, why doesn't God take your money? Just like God goes, you know, I'm going to take 10% out of my shelf and I'm going to put it to the... God doesn't do that. You know what he does? Why doesn't God do It's because he loves you and it's your choice. You're a free moral agent. You can do what you want with the money God's trusted you with. It's up to you. And I believe this, that for all of us, if generosity is all about the heart, let me ask you a question. How's your heart? How's your heart? Let's turn this room into a doctor's office, okay? I'm Dr. McCann. I've been waiting for this. I did a message one time. Y'all remember, maybe Lindsay remembers. I had a doctor's coat, Dr. McCann on it. I felt good. You know, I I look for it. I couldn't find it. Many Christians, when it comes to generosity, it's like you start talking about generosity and they start going. That's something like they're having a heart attack. No, you know, your heart is no. can, Can I just the heart is no longer able to flow like it should. That's what happens when a heart attack. You know, you hear the widow maker. It's like. All of a sudden, it just, bam, it just stops. Because those, cap- those capillaries and those veins, they get clogged up. Ask your neighbor, are you having a heart attack this morning? Come on, ask him. I don't know. Go ahead. 
Let me show this. We're going to show a little video how the heart functions. You see, blood and oxygen flow through your veins. But plaque and fat, that means boudin. That means a boudin bowl put a clog in your vein, baby. I told Livy we were going hunting. I go, baby, you want a boudin ball? She goes, yeah, I want a boudin ball. Don't tell mama. And, uh, and, and see, what happens is, what happens when that, pl- it, it, that, that when you have that, that plaque and that, and that fat, what it does, it clogs all the areas and the veins in your, in your heart. And it's a serious thing. You know, in America, one out of four people are going to have a heart attack. That means if I counted one, two, three, four, boom. One, two, three, four, boom. Come on. And, you know, we, all the health food we eat is Cajuns. Come on. This serious thing. In God's church, we're not generous because there's a blockage sometimes. You see, the heart is the big, it's not the biggest muscle, but it's the most important muscle. It just is. Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. In other words, that we put, literally, it's like you set a guard around your heart. I did a study on the, on the heart one time, a good heart and a wicked heart. And I began to go through the Bible and every scripture that I thought, and I began to study the thing. And then I began to relate it physically, how we respond and when we respond. And you begin to see people in the Bible, they were blessed because they had gratitude. This morning, Tracy and I were having coffee, and I was just saying, you know, one of the greatest things in our lives should be is gratefulness, gratitude. And we started talking about people that we know that haven't been grateful. And then we talked about, you know, sometimes, you know, you train a child in the way it should go and it will not depart. There's another proverb in Proverbs 22, and it says, when you put the, begin to put life principles in your child, it will last for their lifetime. You see, for every one of them, imagine if they serve God or not, they're going to bed. They can't go to bed without thinking something about God. Whatever substance they may be hooked on, whatever it may be, you can't go without thinking about God. And see, that's what God wants to open our hearts, that we don't become hard-hearted. You see, in a healthy, active heart, there's a good flow. There's good blood. There's good oxygen. When I was in the hospital and when I had to go to ICU a couple of days before, I'd get up. And one night I got up to go to the bathroom and I came back to my bed. And I began to realize how important oxygen was because I never in my entire life, except for in football, got the wind knocked out of me. I couldn't get my, you know, they get on the field there and buckle you. And, you know, you're not in front of the crowd. I mean, don't unbuckle me. You know what I mean? But you can't talk. You know, and I get back to, from my from uh, from going to the bathroom, and I'm I'm just sitting in the bed. And I'm struggling. I can't breathe. I'm like, <gasps> and then all of a sudden, an African American lady walked in, and she was in charge of of getting air to people. You know what I mean? Or checking your your oxygen levels and stuff. And she saw me, and I go, I can't breathe. And she first thing she did, like the airplane, she put the mask on me. And after she put the mask on me, and I don't care what you think about what I'm fixing to tell you, she got on me, she put the mask on me, and she goes, Jesus, she started praying in tongues. And I'm like, she just began to pray for me. And Jesus, and I'm like, come on, I can receive it. It's a Catholic hospital. There's no problem there. And see, the incredible thing is, for some of us, 
You know, because we, we, don't, we don't walk in heart and the spirit of generosity, it's like we say, you can't breathe properly. In a healthy, activated church, there's a good flow of love and generosity. You see, Deuteronomy says, but if there, there are any poor Israelites in your towns, and when you arrive in the land of the Lord your God is giving you, do not harden your heart or be tight-fisted toward them. Instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. You see, I believe this. The heart and the hand are connected. They just are. Listen, a tight hand, a hard heart is like a tight hand. It's just that way. It's a tight hand. A generous heart is an open hand. God, if you can get it to me, you can get it through me. You see, and let me just say this. If you're raised in South Louisiana, you understand this. How many of you, when you raise, and, and your dad or your mama would say, now listen, if we go there and Uncle T-Roy wants to give you some money, tell him no. Come on, how many of you had that? Or that they were giving you something and it was about to come in your hand, and all of a sudden your parents would go, no. I'm like, man, you just robbed me of a Lincoln not a Lincoln car, but a Lincoln, you know. Anyway, some of you, oh, okay. But I've taught my children, and I've learned this. God's not that way. Listen, if someone wants to lay something in your hand, take it and say thank you. Amen? You see, there are two things that will stop the flow. I'm glad you're asking about the flow. First one is this, and I think you know what it would be, a selfish heart. Deuteronomy, do you mean mean-spirited, refuse someone alone because the year for canceling debts is close at hand? In the, Israel, in, in the nation of Israel, God had told the children of Israel, every seven years you're to forgive those that have debts. So you imagine seven years, and at the end of seven years you could be debt-free. Wouldn't that be great for MasterCard? Come on. If he's the master, he can take care of your card. Amen? But anyway, let's go back to the message. That's kind of goofy. But if you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. God didn't create giving for his sake. He invented it for my sake and your sake. You see, generosity is the number one thing that works selfishness out of the heart. Come on. It'll just, wa- it'll just like white out, wipe it out. You see, ladies, your men, men don't want to share their food. Come on. You, you go, you go, hey, would you like a bite? What they really mean, they're offering it to you, but they don't really want you to take a bite. Come on. How many ladies you got a husband like that? Just say amen. amen. Okay, three of you. The rest of you, we're praying for you. God doesn't have a problem with you having money. He has, a pro- he has a problem with money having you. The second thing that you need to see is not just, not just a, a selfish heart, but a, a grudging heart. Kind of like I was telling you about the $30. Missionary, he better use that well. You see, Deuteronomy says, give generously to the poor, not grudgingly. For the Lord your God will bless you, listen to it, in everything. What does it say? What does it say right here? Everything. Every saint. Who? 
You do. You do. Selfishness tries to attack us when we give. Grudge attacks us after we give. Come on. I need someone to help me this morning. I need someone this morning. I ask you, if you, can, if you got a $100 bill, I want you to come and bring it to me. Who's got one? Come on, Mackenzie. Come on, man of God. You've been working hard. Come on. So, this is $100. Why is he so excited to give it to me? You know why? Because I gave it to him before the service. You can sit down, man of God. He didn't grudge. He didn't complain because it was never his. I was hoping he would stay for church. The problem is, You go to work and you're thinking, I'm working for money. See, Proverbs, Psalm says, like, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. God owns everything. He chose people to entrust with his resources. He chose you to be entrusted with his resources. I I watched, you know, I don't know if you've heard of a guy named T. Boone Pickens. He just died this past week. One of the, a billionaire, multi-billionaire, and he has a six hundred eighty thousand acre ranch. I mean, that's kind of big. And I watched for his funeral because I, I always kind of followed him, and he was a giver. I mean, he, they have buildings named after him all over the United States. But in Dallas, if you go for medical, any kind of medical thing, you'll see T. Boone Pick, uh, Pickens' name on there. They had Jerry Jones give part of his eulogy, one of his best friends. I was just watching. I was waiting. You know what I was waiting for? I was like, what was the key to his generosity? I was looking at it. And not one of them mentioned God. But can I tell you something? Even, I believe this, you can... You can have a gift, even if you don't serve God, and you live by a godly principle of giving, God can bless you. I believe that. You see, I can give what I have away because my source is an endless supply. Mackenzie, come back up here, son. Come back. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to find someone in this crowd that needs $100 to keep. Who wants $100? Oh, y'all don't be humble. And find, find someone you're going to give it to that you just, you go, you want it. Come on. Come on. Come here. Kenzie, I'm going to give you another hundred, but that's, that's for you because you listened, you were excited, and you did what I said. Thank Come you. on. That's how God works. I'm not God. I don't have a God complex, especially when I get, I have photos with JJ. (laughs) That's another story and another message. God is trying to, let me say, God's trying to keep anything, God's not trying to keep anything from you, he's trying to get it to you. How many of you believe that? You see, I believe that for, for anything, you have to be faithful with what he has already given you. 
See, two things that, that start the flow that you need in your life. So those are things that hold back the flow. Let me give you the two things that will help the flow. Number one is a generous heart. Deuteronomy says it like this. 15, when you release a male servant, do not send him away empty-handed. Give him a generous farewell. Give from, your, from, uh, give from your flock, your threshing floor, your wine press. Share with him some of the bounty which the Lord your God has given, has blessed you. See, you don't have to teach your children this one thing. Hey, give that to me. And they go, mine. It's mine. You ever see little kids getting a fight? Mine. I remember my brother and I got in a fight over a Flintstone vitamin one time. <laughs> it was a purple one. And he beamed me with his, his little toy gun. Wow. It's the first time my brother ever made me cry. I was so mad. You know, it was my little brother. And I couldn't stop it. It was like, I wanted Fred. <laughs> he, he hit me with a thing, but I got Fred. You see, and as adults, sometimes we're like this. Mine. No, it's mine. That's mine. No, it's not. Everything you have is on loan from God. It's not yours. It's not. It's God's. At some point, God is wondering when you're going to grow up and be more like your father. God. We're born selfish, but can I tell you something? Look at me. We may be born selfish, but we're born again generous. Can I say that again? We're born selfish, but we're born again generous. When you meet the most generous person in the world, God, when you meet Jesus, all of a sudden, he takes away that selfishness, that me thing in us. And all of a sudden, there's a joy that comes. And, and with a joy that comes, come on, you want to just go, shout, you know, and you want to dance, you know. Anyway, yeah. That's when you come to worship, you're going to dance to the music. You're going to lift your hands. You never, you never lifted your hand in the church you came from because you didn't have two questions at one time. <laughs> but we lift our hands now because a generous God has opened our eyes. and We begin to see what he's done in our lives. That he didn't want us to live in a selfish place. He didn't want us to live us in a place that our hands are so tight, tight-fisted that we can't open it up. God begins to open our heart, and we begin to see people through his eyes, and we go, you know what? I see a need, and God's asking me to meet that need, no matter what it is. We've been on I've been on both ends where I've blessed people, and people have blessed me. I've been on both ends. I really have. There's times that, let me just say this. There ain't nobody that can cook like OSC. I mean, Mark brought me some ducks when I was sick. I was like, what do you want, Pastor Bubba? I want some ducks. He goes, I've been waiting for a year to tell me that. Because he keeps me, can I do something for you? Can I do it? I just, you know how you have the envies for something? Come on. And then when you have it, it's like the kiss from heaven. And your taste buds are like, and it's so good. You go, I bless my taste buds. I feel the presence of Jesus. And then you go, I'm so blessed. I want to kiss myself. Because it's so good. Can I tell you something? That is how God is. 
He's so generous. You know what he wants to do? And when you do it, he wants to give you a kiss from heaven. Come on. Some of you, it's like, I hate to say it, but you need to pucker up. You ever try to give someone a kiss and they go, I have one daughter, I'm not going to say her name, but she's here. Two things she'll tell me. I'm not giving you a kiss. Your breath stinks. <laughs> Another one. Hi, Dad. You give wet kisses. <laughs> be so, we're born, maybe selfish, but we're born again to be generous. The last thing this morning is a generous heart opens the flow, but a grateful heart. Opens the flow. See, remember that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt. He's given a picture of what the children of Israel were like, but it's a picture of us as well. And he says this, and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I'm giving you this command. God is commanding them to be generous because everything that they had was from him. Think about it. God sent them from, God rescued them from Egypt where there was not enough. Helped them cross the Red Sea into the wilderness where there was barely enough. And then they went to the promised land where there was more than enough. And he's saying, because I blessed you, I've been with you. Think about it. By, by day, he had a cloud over them. Come on. I just did a wedding this past week. I mean, literally. It was like I was looking for the cloud by day. It was nine, almost 100 degrees. I was in a black suit. And it was hot. And with my health things, I have to watch that I don't get overheated. And literally, I did the, it was a great wedding, great couple. But can I tell you something? I, when, I, when I got I changed my pants, took off the jacket. And I mean, I was just, you could ring it type of thing. And, and, I, and everybody was like, Go, you know, Pastor Bubba, go find some air. So I had a, they had a fan. They were all trying to take care of me. And a lady brought me some. Some brisket and then revival hit. (laughs) Started feeling better. God has commanded us to be generous in everything that they had because he had been with them. You know, God is with you. He's done everything he can. He's been generous. You imagine the hush of heaven when he said, I'm sending my son down to the earth. You know what God could have said to us, all of us, when he looked at the earth and the way people were living? He could have said this, to hell with all of them. That's not a cuss. I'm not cuss. I'm to hell. But he said no. You imagine the angels when they heard that Jesus was going, they're going, What? God had a plan in his heart. Jesus said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And we know it looked grim that they crucified him. Somebody said one time, I heard some, how how generous was God that he opened his arms for us to come to him? 
We know that they put him in a tomb and he resurrected and there he was. When Mary saw him, the Bible said he looked like a gardener. How many know God's a gardener? It represented God. Also, remember when she, she goes, where have you laid my Lord's body? And he just said, Lord? And she said, he said, Mary? And she, the Bible says she recognized the Lord's voice. She said, Lord? She hugged around him. Then he told the woman, Mary, go and tell Peter and John. Really, it's a book, it's a picture of Genesis, the beginning. God is the gardener. The woman f- took the first bite and fell, but God redeemed the woman even in that moment. He trusted a woman to go and tell. Are you hearing me? Come on, women. Some of you have been looking for redemption all your life. It's a redempting thing that he told, go and tell the men. God's a generous God. He's a redeeming God. He's a forgiving God because he's given. He's given his best. He's given us all. And he had one son, and he sent him as a missionary to reach us. Do you remember when God brought you from your lowest point? How many of you had some low points in your life? God brought you from your lowest point. It's easy to give when you realize what's been given to you. It really is. We were all lost. We were all broken. But because Jesus was generous, we can have life. And life, have it more abundantly. When it stops flowing, it dies. I pray today you won't stop the flow of what God wants to do in your life. Amen? Look at me. If you're here this morning, you might be in a place where you go, Pastor Bubba, I don't feel the flow of God in my life. I've been struggling. Just like Lindsay, the scripture she read this morning, talking about the children of Israel. Hot, cold, cold, hot, hot. I don't know where I'm at. Forget God. No, I need God. No, no, not right now, God. God! God came at our lowest moment and we cried out. I talked to someone recently and they said, you know, I was at my lowest point, but it was the first time. The first time in my lowest point, in my desperation, that I experienced the love of God. Look at me. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're walking through. But I know this about, for some of you, you just don't have the flow of God. You can cross your hands and check me out. You know, you can look us up on the internet. There there must be something. Look, if you're looking for something in me, some junk in my trunk, you don't have to look it up. Come ask me. I'll tell you more you want to hear. But because of what God has done for each of us. See, you don't have to walk out of here not having the flow in your life. You can walk out of here and have a heart transplant where God just touches your heart. And when your heart's been touched, your hand's affected. And your eyesight's affected. Because last week we talked about three things. Eyes. God, your eyes was one. Your mouth. 
And that's where God wants us. Amen? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're here this morning, say, Pastor Bubba, I'm not a good place where I'm allowing the flow of God in my life. In fact, I'm, I'm really struggling. I really don't know God. I'm not really allowing God to have his way in my heart like I should. Would you pray for me, Pastor Bubba? I want God to change my heart. I want to give my heart to God. If that's you, no one looking around and say, Pastor Bubba, would you pray for me? Because I want that. I want that. I need that in my life right now. If that's you, just raise your hand. Thank you. 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 You can put it down. Anyone else? Before I pray. Before we pray together. Anyone else say, Pastor Baba, I've been struggling, but it's me too. If that's you, just raise your hand. Thank you. You can put it down. Anyone else? Thank you. Put it down. Let's all pray together out loud. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe on the cross. You took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you have faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go there. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your father. Today, Lord Jesus... I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen.